All right, take your Bibles tonight, turn over to the book of Genesis, chapter number 19. And as you find your place there, also find 2 Peter, chapter number 2. Genesis, chapter number 19, and 2 Peter, chapter number 2. And as you find your place, if you're able to, let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> Genesis 19, and 2 Peter, chapter number 2. Genesis 19. All right, is anybody else feeling under the weather tonight? <clears throat> kind of just like lingering. I've been good all week, and then today, uh, under the counsel of my wife, <clears throat> Brother Mike, I went to the chiropractor. I was driving back from Nixon, Missouri on Monday night, and I had this sharp pain in my neck and just couldn't get rid of it. Never gone to the chiropractor in my life. And so pastor's been after me to go. My wife's been after me to go. So I took the counsel of my wife, Amen. Sorry, preacher. <clears throat> and so I went to the chiropractor today, first time ever. Wow. You talk about, yeah. <laughs> so it felt really good. It felt really good. I was like, man, this is awesome. And I got back in the truck and started up back belt highway back toward the church and thought, this doesn't feel as awesome as I thought it would. So <clears throat> ever since then, I've been coughing. There's like this tingling in my throat. So Lord willing, we're going to get through this message tonight. And hopefully uh, I don't uh, cough up a storm while we're here. Uh, Genesis 19, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. We're going to kind of jump around this chapter a little bit tonight and kind of give us some context, if you would. Uh, Genesis chapter number 19, verse number 1, the Bible says, And there came two angels to Sodom at Eden. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Now, I want you to skip down to verse number 17 of the same chapter. The Bible says this, And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, O oh, not so, my lord. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Behold now, this is verse 20, Behold now, this city... <clears throat> is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow the city for that which hast spoken. Father, we thank you for tonight, Lord, for the privilege and the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, we know tonight that there are <clears throat> many in our church family that aren't well. There's many homesick tonight, just a bug going around. Lord, I think even tonight for many that are here, uh, Lord, I, I can speak for myself. I, I definitely don't feel 100%. I don't even feel 90%. But Lord, I'm thankful to be in God's house tonight. And Lord, I'm thankful for uh, the message you've laid on my heart tonight. And Lord, the last couple of months, actually, this passage has just been, uh, Lord, on my heart and on my mind. I've, I've, I've done a devotion out of this passage for our teenagers on Thursday night. I preached a youth rally a couple of weeks ago up in Iowa out of this passage. And Lord, I honestly cannot get this passage out of my heart and mind tonight. And I pray that in this message, whether... Uh, those that are here in person or those that are watching via live stream, whatever the case might be, Lord, that uh, you'd be honored and glorified, Lord, and we'd see the message, the truths within the Word of God tonight. We love you, Lord. Thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> Excuse me. Nineteenth-century English scholar William Griffith Thomas described Genesis chapter number 19 like this. He said, Genesis chapter number 19 is one of the most terrible chapters in all of the Bible. 
and is a reminder of the hideous possibilities of sin. John Butler would make this statement in his preface of his commentary on the life of Lot. He would say this, The study of Lot is, almost, is a most timely study for our day, especially for two important reasons. First of all, it is a timely study because of the worldliness which characterizes Christendom today. Like Lot, whom we have called the worldly Christian in the subtitle of this book, most Christians today reek of the world. They are full of materialism. Their morals have plummeted, and they have been intermarried with the unsaved, and they represent little opposition to evil. Rather, they oppose, or sorry, rather than oppose evil, they simply go along with it. But the study of Lot reminds us of the great peril that this worldly lifestyle is to the believer. Then he says this, secondly, it is a timely study because of the homosexual agenda that is overtaking our land today. Society is now speaking of homosexuality and their moral protrudeness in a most benevolent way, and furthermore is making more and more laws to protect and encourage this immoral behavior. But the study of Lot shows us the terrible menace, not only the terrible menace of homosexuality to all mankind, but also shows for us God's great abhorrence to this wretched lifestyle and warns us that if we do not take God's position against homosexuality, uh, God's position against homosexuality, our land will meet, be met with terrible judgment. Now looking at Genesis chapter number 19, it's, you're like, man, Brother Andrew, this is, this is like December 1st, Jaden just sang about Christmas, like, man, where, man, what is going on here? Like, this is not a Wednesday night message. And like I said in the prayers I opened up, I, 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 was, I did a devotion probably back in, Octo- was back in October for the young people, October, September for their teenagers, on Thursday night out of this text, and I just cannot get past this text tonight. In looking at this text, we see some vile, the vileness of, of sinful men. We know the story of Genesis chapter 19 of Sodom and Gomorrah and God pouring out his judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah because of the homosexual sin that's found within this chapter. But there's an underlining theme throughout this chapter that we'll kind of hit briefly, but I'm just going to make this statement open on up. Throughout Genesis chapter number 19, you see the grace of God throughout the complete chapter. Time and time again, as you, if you really dive into it and you study the life of Lot, and specifically what takes place in this chapter, you see God's hand of grace, even, listen, even in wicked, vile, abhorrent sin, God is still a gracious God. And that's one thing I think that, we, that oftentimes we look at sin and we want to throw down and throw down and throw down. Listen, we still serve a gracious God. We still serve a God that is full of grace and full of mercy. But how do we get to Genesis chapter number 19? And for the sake of time, we'll run through this pretty quickly. But back in Genesis chapter number 13, we read the story of Abraham and Lot. We know that Abraham is Lot's uncle, and they were traveling from the Ur of the Chaldees, uh, basically to the promised land or the land God would show Abraham. And at that point in Genesis chapter number 13, there's a strife. The Bible calls it a, a, a strife that takes place between the herdsmen of Abraham and the herdsmen of Lot. And so there's this conflict that takes place. And in Genesis chapter number 13, verse number 10, Uh, The Bible tells us this, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou camest unto Zor. And so because of this, because of what Lot saw, the Bible tells us this, that Lot would separate himself, according to verse number 11, from Abraham, and he would choose the plain of Jordan, which was where Sodom, Gomorrah, and Zor would reside. And so it got me to think of this question tonight, what would the, how different would Lot's life be had there not been conflict and not been strife with Abraham? How different would Lot's 
testimony be had there not been conflict between Abraham's herdsmen? I mean, listen, Lot could have come to Abraham and say, listen, uncle, we need to figure this out. I mean, I, I want to be with you. I want to be blessed by you. I, be, I, I see the hand of God in your life. But no, there was some conflict. And so Abraham said, hey, listen, we've got to come to a decision here. Uh, you choose left, I'll choose right. You choose right, I'll choose left. You make the decision, Lot. And Lot, the Bible tells us that Lot doesn't go, well, let's pray about this or let's talk about this. The Bible basically tells us this, that Lot lifted up his eyes and he beheld the plain of Jordan and said, that's what I want. Between Genesis chapter 13 and Genesis chapter 19, there's about a 15-year span that takes place. And so we find ourselves here in Genesis chapter number 19. Look at verse number one. The Bible says, and there came two angels to Sodom and Eden, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. The Bible tells us that there's two angels that meet Lot in the gate. And, and prior to this meeting in Genesis chapter number 19, in Genesis chapter number 18, the two angels accompany Jesus Christ as, as they appear at the tent, the, the tent door, if you would, of Abraham. And there's a conversation that goes on between the angels and Jesus and Abraham himself. And so the, the angels show up and Jesus shows up and says, listen, Abraham, I'm kind of paraphrasing here. Uh, Abraham, I'm going to bring judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sin. Now, Abraham knows, listen, Lot, uh, my nephew, uh, his family, his friends, all those, they're all in Sodom. Uh, and so Abraham petitions God and says, would you spare Sodom? We know this, that, that God said, and Abraham says, well, if there's 50, would you spare it? God says, yes. And Abraham goes down to 40. We know eventually that Abraham goes down, if there's just 10 righteous souls within Sodom, would you spare Sodom? And God says, yes. So we get to this point in Genesis chapter number 19, and in verse number one, we find Lot sitting at the gate, the Bible says, of Sodom. So imagine this. The city's been, been filled with the hustle and bustle of the day, if you would, and there's things going on, there's transactions taking place, and market, and, and daily living, and school, and business, and all kinds of things that take place. And here these angels walk in, and the Bible says at evening, or at the close of the day, and they find Lot sitting, the Bible says, at the gate of Sodom. Say, so why is that so significant, Brother Andrew? The gate of Sodom would be a representation of authority. <clears throat> in Hebrew culture, those that had positions of authority, and some people believe that even Lot could have had the position of the mayor of Sodom. Uh, in Hebrew culture, the, the positions of authority would sit at the gate. If you think back to the story of David and Absalom, remember that there, there were those that wanted to bring their petitions to King David, and Absalom sat at the gate and said, oh, no, no, the king doesn't have time for you. I'm at this position. I'm at this point at the gate. I'll hear, I'll hear your plea, I'll handle the affair. And that's how Absalom began the revolt, if you would, or the rebellion against his father David. So here we find Lot, he's sitting at the gate. And I find this very interesting, that at this gate, there was things that took place, like matters of government, disputes that took place, legal issues that took place. All these things took place, and here we find Lot sitting at the gate, like, hey, I'm in charge, I've got this under control, what's going on? You say, why is this so significant? Well, the problem is this, is that even though Lot was in Sodom, the Bible still describes Lot as a righteous man. Hold your place in Genesis chapter number 19. Let's go over to 2 Peter chapter number 2. The book of 2 Peter chapter number 2. The book of 2 Peter chapter number 2. You see, Lot had no business at the gates of Sodom. One commentator described Lot's position at the gate such as like this. He said, faith never put him there. A spiritual mind never put him there. His righteous soul never put him there. It was simply his love for the present evil world that led him to choose Sodom over what God had. Notice, notice 2 Peter chapter number 2. Let's see what God says here in 2 Peter uh, chapter 2. Look at verse number 7. 
The Bible says, sorry, verse number six. Go back to verse six. It says, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ash, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. Now we know this, and I don't want to harp on it too much, but we know that the lifestyle that was taking place within Sodom and Gomorrah was an ungodly lifestyle. And can I say this, that in 2021, it's still an ungodly lifestyle. Listen, we're not going to sit here tonight and say, well, you know, I mean, it's a choice. No, no, it's an ungodly lifestyle based upon the word of God. You say, well, is that really in the Bible? It is, and if you've got time afterward, I'll show you. Uh, but this isn't, a, this isn't a, a message about a specific lifestyle. But the fact of the matter is this, God still judges sin. And that lifestyle is still a sin. No, 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 I don't think we realize that that lifestyle is still a sin. We were, uh, Miss Crystal and I went down to Nixon, Missouri on, on, on Monday, and we were, we were looking at a couple of buses, uh, a couple of buses as uh, to replace some of the buses we have here. And I'm driving from basically from one bus sales place to another bus sales place. I'm driving down a, a road in, I think it was in Nixa or South Springfield. And we drove by a church. I don't know if you saw this, drove by a church. And out, listen, out in front of the church, a church house, a church sign, uh, marquee, everything. Out in front of the church was a big, huge flagpole, the American flag on the top. And then there was a rainbow flag right underneath of it. No, no, we're not talking about a business or a school or a university. We're talking about a church house. A a church house that would take the word of God and open it up on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. No, can I say this tonight? It is still sin. No matter what we think, no matter what society, no matter what media says, no matter what Facebook or Twitter or anything else, it is still sinful. Still sinful. Still sinful. But in 2 Peter, notice what Peter writes here in verse number 7. The Bible says, and delivered just Lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Now I want to pause in Genesis chapter 19 for a second and go over here to 2 Peter chapter number 2 because 2 Peter chapter number 2 really gives us a good picture, if you would, of who Lot really is. And at the end of the message, we're going to draw kind of a a parallel, if you would, here, make some application. But in verse number 7 of 2 Peter chapter number 2, notice what the Bible says. The Bible says, and delivered just Lot. That word just in verse 7 is defined as this, by implication, innocent, holy, righteous. No, no, I'm not the one saying that Lot's righteous. (laughs) No, no, God's the one that's saying Lot's righteous. That a God in heaven would look down at at Lot, somebody who's who's at the gate of Sodom. And as we dive into Genesis chapter 19, even, even more of atrocious mindset and morals and values even God in heaven in 2 Peter chapter 2 would say, listen, this is a just man. He's a righteous man, a holy man. Let's make it personal tonight as we look at Lot. Could we say this, man, I, I could find myself in Lot's shoes. Oh, no, 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 no. I could find myself in Lot's shoes. Can I, can I, can I describe, describe it in 2021? Lot will say like this, Lot's a Christian living in the world. He's surrounded by the world. He's surrounded by wickedness. He's surrounded by sin. Is that you? Oh no, that's me. Brother Philip, that's me. Just because I'm on church staff and I'm at church and I'm around church coworkers doesn't mean they're perfect. Amen. Amen, Abram. Amen. Some of them are big sinners. Amen. Listen, we live in an environment where we are around sin constantly. No, no, no. No, no. We want to throw down on Lot. We want to throw down on Lot on being in Sodom and being around that filthy lifestyle. But can I be honest with you? Sin is sin. And we are constantly around sin. We're constantly, listen, how, how many of you got jobs tonight? 
You got a job, you work at a workplace, I mean, you got firefighter, electricians, I know some of you are retired, Altec, right? We got jobs, we're around people that are sinful. I remember working at Johnson Controls and coming out for my lunch break and sitting down and, man, the conversations, Brother D, and the jokes and the words and innuendos, man, it's filthiness. Hey, listen, we're around that kind of stuff every single day. We're no different than a lot tonight. And as I'm reading Genesis chapter number 19, as I'm studying this out, and I'm thinking about it over the last couple of months, I'm thinking, man, you know what? There's a lot of similarities in Lot's life and my life. There's a lot of parallels there. Notice what the Bible says, verse number seven. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. That word vexed there means this. It means to wear down with toil. The wickedness of the world that Lot was involved in or around has a way, had a way of wearing him down. Notice how the Bible says this, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. He was vexed with the filthy lifestyle of that was what was taken right in, and it wore him down. Listen, do you ever feel defeated? you ever feel wore down by what's taking place in society? Do you ever feel like just throwing in the towel? Like, man, it's just, this is just a waste of time. It's not worth it. Man, I, I'm around these people, and I try to be a good testimony, and I try to be a good witness. And Brother Mike, I pass out tracts to my coworkers, and I, I try to invite them to church. And man, I, I, I was walking out Monday, Monday with, with one of the mechanics look at a bus, and, and he had on a, a 101st Airborne hat on. I made, a, I made a comment about the Army, and he looked at me kind of real nasty looking, and he goes, did you serve? And I said, actually, I didn't. I said, I was going to the Air Force Academy, and then God called me to preach. And I kid you not, we're walking out to the bus, and he just stops. And I stopped when I turned. I said, yeah, God called me to preach. God called me to ministry. And he's like, oh. And he just kept, no, no. That, to me, that was encouraging. I'm like, okay, here's the opportunity to witness. So I got a chance to witness to the guy and to share my testimony, what God's done in my life. Listen, there's going to be people you run into that I run into. Man, they're just going to, they're going to wear us down. Wear us down. No, no, we find ourselves just like Lot. We find ourselves in an environment that is ungodly, that is filthy, that is wicked. And if we're not, listen, if we're not careful, we're going to get sucked right into it. We need to be tonight, we need to identify that lifestyle, that worldliness, that wickedness that's in, the, listen, that's around us, that's causing us to be worn down, to be vexed, and to be pressed down, if you would. Joshua would challenge the nation of Israel when he said like this, choose you this day whom you will serve. And the Bible tells us in verse number seven that Lot was just, but he was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. But notice verse number eight. The Bible says, for that righteous man, for that righteous man, you say, Brother Andrew, why are you focusing on this? Because I, 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 I'm thankful, as I've studied this out, I'm looking at this, I'm thankful that even living in a, in a, uh, in a, uh, uh, a sinful world and a, and a backward society and, and living around people that, that, that don't want anything to do with God and would mock Christians and would mock uh, me trying to live for Christ, that God would look from heaven and look down at me and say, hey, there's a righteous man, not because he himself is righteous, but he's a righteous man by the blood of Jesus Christ, my only begotten son. Man, I'm thankful tonight that when God looks at me, he doesn't look at me as a, as, as a person that's not worth saving, but he looked at me as a person, yes, that's worth saving, but not just worth saving, but he looks at me as a person that is actually worth something, regardless of the society that I'm in. No, that's exactly how God looked at Lot. God, listen, God didn't have to go to Lot and say, Lot, now here's the deal, buddy. We, we gotta, let's make a deal. Uh, God, Lot, let's, you know, we got to figure this out, man. You're in Sodom, and man, Sodom is wicked. It's vile. It's bad. Lot... Come on, buddy. No, no, God dealt with Lot the right way. 
But what I'm saying tonight is this, is that I find, when I look at say, the life of Lot, I find myself, man, I'm exactly that way. Man, I, I am worn down. I'm, I'm tormented, if you would, uh, by the culture and by society. And man, it can beat you down and can frustrate you as a Christian. It can, it can wear you out to the point where you're like, man, what is the point of living for God? What is the point of being faithful to God's house? Brother Jay, what is the point of being separated unto God? What is the point of not doing certain things, but yet doing certain things? What is the point? Because, man, this society, it's all around me. No, no, those are Christians that we work with. Those are Christians that maybe even we attend church with. Their mindset is, it's not worth it. It's not worth being separated, Cole. It's not worth being different like society. It's not worth it. I mean, let's just be honest, Brother Andrew. The Satan's just run amok in America, and this, 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 this country's a mess, and people are a mess, and jobs and schools, and man, all kinds of things. They're just a mess. Yeah, they are. They are. But you understand tonight that God, in all his graciousness and all his mercy, still looks down at you and I and goes, man, there's a righteous soul. There's somebody that I love unconditionally. There's somebody that I want to I work in their life. I want to do something for them. Look what he says, verse 8. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. That word vexed there in verse number 8 means this. Carries with the definition of this. To torment, to torture. Lot tormented himself, if you would, with what was taking place in the perverted city. No, no. Let's, let's just pause for just a second here. But I could imagine Lot leaving the house in the morning and saying goodbye to his wife and his kids and closing the door. And I can almost imagine, if you would, Lot going, traveling from his house to the gate of Sodom. And as he's traveling to the gate of Sodom, I don't know if it's a mile or two or whatever the case is, 100 yards, 10 feet, whatever the case is, I can almost imagine Lot seeing the perverseness, the sinfulness, the wickedness of Sodom. You say, well, Brother Andrew, like he made the choice to go there. Hold up, hold up. We make the choice too. We make the choice too when we give in to sin, when we give in to temptation, when we give in to an ungodly lifestyle. We want to throw down on Lot, like, man, Lot, man, Lot, you can be different. Lot, you can be different. You, man, Lot, you can get out of there. You can get out of Sodom. And we can get away from ungodliness. We can get away from carnality, but yet we choose to stay no different than Lot. Lot maybe sits at the gate and he sees the vileness that's going on and the disgusting lifestyle that's ever before him and the pervasiveness of it and just like, just vexed him. Just wore him down. Beat him down. Beat him down. But yet the Bible still says in verse number eight, for that righteous man dwelling among them. Now let's go back to our text in Genesis chapter 19. After you read 2 Peter chapter number 2, it kind of gives you a different mindset of looking at the life of Lot. A lot of times we want to look at Lot, and after we've read through Genesis chapter 13 to Genesis 19 and to Genesis 20, think, man, what an idiot, Lot. What a dummy. Lot, what are you thinking? What? Then you get over to 2 Peter, and you kind of get a different look at who Lot really is. But more so than that, you get a different look at what God, or how God sees Lot in this position. So in Genesis chapter number 19, we're going to run through this chapter real quick. He says there in verse number 1, we know this, that Lot was sitting at the gate at evening, and that during the evening, these two angels, who had previously, in the previous chapter, had appeared to Abraham, show up to, to Sodom. The Bible says, Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. 
And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night. Wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early and go on your way. They said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. It was customary in this day, especially within the Hebrew culture, that you always showed great compassion and, and, and great love toward guests. So obviously, as Lot's sitting in the gate, and it's coming down to the end of the day, the end of business, everything is getting finalized, people going back home, whatever the case is, that he sees two strangers come walking to the, the gate. And automatically, Lot's saying, man, these are guests, they're, they're, they're not from here, they're not, they're not the normal people that I've seen, I've never seen these people before. So the Bible tells us that he, he runs out to them, he rises up and he bows his face toward the ground, and he says, hey, I want to be a blessing, I'm paraphrasing, I want to be a blessing to you, why don't you come home with me, you wash your feet, you obviously, they're dusty, they're dirty, you've been traveling, and you can stay all night. But they say, you know what, Lot, I, <clears throat> I don't think so. As a matter of fact, we're just going to stay in the street for the night. Now notice verse 3. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into his house, and he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. So the two angels show up. Obviously, they got a message for Lot, but they're right off the bat, they're not telling Lot exactly why they're there. The Bible tells us that as they say, no, Lot, we're going to just kind of stay out in the street, and we're going we're gonna to stay uh, just out here. We don't want anything to do with you. We don't really know you. We don't... Don't really want to be here, but Lot says, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'd really like for you to come home with me. The Bible tells us that he go, they go home with Lot, and Lot creates them or, or makes them a great feast. And verse number four, the Bible says, but before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, can pass the house round about, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. So imagine, if you would, picture me, if you would, that Lot's, he's entertaining these two guests, these two angels, and by at this point in time, they haven't revealed exactly why they're at Sodom and what their business is, what they're doing. The Bible says before they go to bed, before they lie down and, and close their eyes and sleep, that the men of Sodom, notice what the Bible says here. It's, the Bible says both old and young, all around, from all quarters of the city, show on up. And I don't, I don't want to get too crude or too graphic here tonight, but we know this, that these men show up with one thing on their mind. They want the two guests that are inside the house. Not to shake their hands, not to befriend them, but to commit, listen, a, a, a grotesque sin with these two angels. Now notice verse 5. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into this, unto thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. Now that word know doesn't, does not imply, like, hey, we want to know their name. We want to know their name. No, no, there's a, there's a sinful act that is on their heart. There's a sinful act that's on their mind. You say, I know that, Brother Andrew. Look, 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 look at verse number uh, 6. And Lot went out the door unto them and shut the door after him. No, no. Lot knew what was getting ready to take place. Hey, look here. Lot knew what was getting ready to take place. When we, listen, when sin comes a-knocking, we know what's getting ready to take place. Do we not? When temptation comes a-knocking, we know what's getting ready to take place. We don't have the excuse of, well, they made me do it. No, no, we know. We know. When we, listen, when we commit sin, we know. Levi's four, he's getting ready to turn five into this month. Christmas day, in case you're wondering. Christmas baby. He turns five. Levi lies to mom and dad. Okay? Yeah, he does the same. I know, it's, it's travesty. Levi lies. Ask Levi a question, Levi lies. Now, how do I know Levi lies? Because when I ask him the question, David, Levi doesn't give me a response right away. You know what he does? He goes, uh... Well, uh, uh, there's a hesitation. Listen, when sin and temptation presents itself, 
We know what's coming. We have no excuse. Lot knew exactly why those guys were there. Lot knew exactly what was going to take place. Say, why is that so significant? Watch what takes place here. Verse 7. And he said, I pray thee, brethren. Lot calls them brethren. Pretty sad, isn't it? He says, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Oh, Lot knew. Lot knew what was getting ready to go down in front of his house. It wasn't good. He said, well, man, brother Andrew, praise the Lord. He's taking a stand for right. Oh, let's keep reading verse number eight. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Hold up, watch. Lot has gotten to a place. Listen, we're, we're still talking about this man, the righteous man that God describes in 2 Peter chapter number two. Lot has become so vexed and so overcome and so beat down by society and by the, the sinfulness of Sodom that here he is in a position where he could take a stand and yet he's willing to throw his two daughters at the mercy of the crowd. So that's pretty disgusting, Brother Andrew. It's pretty, pretty vile, Brother Andrew. It's pretty nasty, Brother Andrew. It's pretty sickening, Brother Andrew. And I say this, it still goes on in 2021. No, no, it still goes on in today's society. So what are you getting at, Brother Andrew? Well, moms and dads won't take a stand. Got real quiet, so... Got real quiet. No, no, no. Moms and dads, it still happens today. When moms and dads have the responsibility to take a stand and to confront sin and to confront temptation and to say, ain't happening in this house, we have a tendency to kind of bend the rules a little bit and compromise. And who, who, get, who gets sacrificed? Not us. Our children. Our children. Our children. Last couple of days I've been moving pictures off my cell phone onto my computer, trying to clean up some memory on my cell phone. I've got pictures from years and years and years and years ago, from Colorado here. And I look at faces of young people, Brother Jay, no longer in church, no longer serving God. No longer, listen, no longer on fire for God. Oh, some, some, of, them, some of them are in church, praise the Lord, but a lot of them aren't. You know Why? Because a mom and dad wouldn't stand up and say, no, 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 we're not going to give in to that sin and that temptation. I don't think so. Get out of here. And they're willing to sacrifice their own children to the world to please the crowd, to please the mob. That's exactly what Lot was getting ready to do. Look at verse 8. He said, behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you. Now notice what he says. And do ye to them as is good in your eyes, only unto these men do nothing. How sick... How sick, how perverted has Lot gotten? Can I say this? When we allow sin and temptation into our life, and when we allow the worldliness of what's taking place in Sodom to affect us to the point, that's pretty sick. It's pretty devastating. No, no, no. No, no, no. Hold up. We're in church on a Wednesday night, or maybe we're sitting watching live stream on a Wednesday night, and we know we're saved. We know we're born again. We know we've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've already established the fact that God looked at Lot as a righteous man, and when he looks at you and I that are saved, he looks at us as righteous. What's the difference between Lot and me? What's the difference in how Lot handled this situation? And if I'm not careful, how I handle this situation as an adult, as a parent, with the responsibility of raising my kids. It's really sad to think tonight that many a teenager, many a young person, maybe even many an adult tonight, is not in church because a mom and a dad wouldn't take a stand for what was right. 
and was willing to sacrifice their own children for the world, for what the world had to offer. But that's not the message tonight. Let's keep reading. Look at verse number nine. It says, and they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came to sojourn and he will needs be a judge. How will we deal worse with thee than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hands, speaking about the angels that are inside Lot's house, and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. And we know this, we're going to keep moving quickly here. We know this, that the angels basically uh, cause a blindness and they smite the men in verse number 11 to where they can't see the door. And in verse number 12, here's what they men say to Lot. They said, and they men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place? He says, hey, listen, uh, you're worried about what's going on out here. Let me tell you what's getting ready to happen. There's judgment getting ready to take place. And if you got family, you got friends, listen, here's the mercy and the grace of God. You need to get out of here. That's really what was going on right here. So look at verse 13. For we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out, <coughs> excuse me, and spake unto his sons-in-laws, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that, what, mocketh unto his sons-in-law. Lot, here's the deal. Uh, because of what's taking place outside these doors, because of the sin that God has seen within Sodom, because of the sin that God has seen within Gomorrah, because of the sin that God's seen within Zor in the plain, listen, he's going to bring judgment upon all these people. Here's the option you have. Get out of Dodge. Gather up your family, gather up your, your, your family, let's get them out together, and let's get out of the city. So Lot goes, okay, sounds great, right? Makes sense. The Bible tells us there in verse number 14 that he goes and he speaks to his sons-in-law, who married his daughters, family. And he basically tells them the exact same thing. And the Bible tells us this in verse number 14, that he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. If you don't think your testimony matters tonight, it does. Moms and dads, your testimony matters a great deal. More, listen, greater than what you could ever imagine. Uh, <clears throat> anybody ever heard the phrase, do as I say, not as I do? Anybody ever heard that phrase before? Listen, moms and dads, I'll just give you a bit of advice. That's the worst phrase we could ever use. Worst phrase we could ever use. Right, Brother Mike? Worst phrase. Brother Mitch, worst phrase. If I looked at Levi and said, Levi, do as I say, but not as I do, what am I ultimately telling Levi? Don't do as I say, but do as I do. That's ultimately what I'm telling Levi. And here Lot finds himself in this position, in this situation where there's, there's great judgment that's getting ready to rain down. Great judgment's getting ready to come. And his sons-in-law look at him, and his daughters as well, and they're just like, are you serious? What are you, what are you talking about? Pfft, I don't think so. F.B. Meyer said this about this, this text right here. He says, an inconsistent life cannot arrest the wanderer or startle the sleeper into wide awakeness about his soul. People say that we must conform a little to the manners of our time. We would, if, and, and if we would exert a saving influence over men, it is a fatal mistake if we would do those things. If we live in Sodom, we shall have no power to save the people of Sodom. We must stand outside of them. And if we would save them from this, this grueling rapids, you cannot, listen, we cannot level Sodom up, but it will certainly level you and I down and laugh at you when we try to speak. C.H. McIntosh said it like this. He said, to attempt to reprove the world's ways while we profit by association with it is vanity. The world will attach very little weight to such reproof and such testimony. 
It is vain to speak of approaching judgment while finding our place, our portion, and our enjoyment in the very scene which is to be judged. Listen, tonight our testimony, listen, our testimony is one of the most, if not the most important things we have as a Christian. And parents, I just encourage you tonight, listen, have a right testimony. Have a right testimony. Listen, teenagers, young people, have a right testimony. Your testimony matters. Your testimony matters. Listen, moms and dads, listen, you cannot expect your kids to live godly if you're not going to live godly. Man, we've heard it at camp up on the mountain. We've heard it from our pastor. We've heard it from missionaries. We've heard it from evangelists. Listen, you cannot expect your kids. I cannot expect my kids to live godly if I choose not to live godly. And that's exactly where Lot finds himself. It's exactly where Lot finds himself. Now skip down to verse number 19. <clears throat> Let's kind of wrap this up, make some application. Get to the meat of the message. That was all introduction. Verse 19. It says, Behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight. So here's what takes place. Lot's sons-in-laws and his daughters, they were like, dude, you're in, lack of a better term, you're an idiot. Uh, we don't believe what you're saying. So Lot lingers around. The next morning, the angels are like, dude, what are you doing? We got to get out of here. So they drag him out of the city. And in verse number 20, the Bible says, Behold now, this city is near to, sorry, verse number 18. It says, And Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord. Behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight. And thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast shown unto me in saving my life. Oh, listen, God, you gave me grace. You showed me mercy. You saved my life. Last night, you said you were going to rain fire and brimstone. And now I'm outside. Man, you got, God, you gave me such mercy and such grace. Notice what he says. And I cannot escape to the mountain. The angels are telling Lot, Lot, leave the plain. Leave Sodom and Gomorrah. Run. Run to the mountain. And Lot goes, I can't run to the mountain. Look what he says. Lest some evil take me and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. It is not a little one. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. In, this, in these last few verses here is the last recorded part of Scripture where we ever hear any mention, if you would, as far as Lot's conversation or conversation with Lot. And there's two words here that I think that we need to really look at. Look at verse number, uh, verse number uh, 19. Uh, sorry, verse number 20. He says, Behold, now this city is near... To flee unto. So watch. Lot, Lot gets dragged out of, out of the city. His wife, his two daughters, they get dragged out of the city. And, and here's ultimately what God's telling Lot. Lot, I'm going to rain judgment upon Sodom. I'm going to rain judgment and, and everything's going to be destroyed. Go to the mountain. Go to the mountain. I'm telling you, Lot, this is where you need to go. This is the direction you need to go. This is what you need to do to preserve your life, to preserve the life of your wife and the life of your two daughters because everybody else has forsaken you. Remember, Abraham asked for 10 righteous. God said, hey, if there's 10 righteous, I'll save Sodom. There ain't 10 righteous. There's not. So judgment's coming. And here, listen, here is Lot having watched all this taking place in the last 12 hours. And Lot goes, you know what? I really don't want the mountain. Follow, follow this. It's so good right here. I really don't want the mountain. God, I know you, I, I know you did some good things for me but I really don't want the mountain. God, I know that you've saved me. I got to know you've preserved me. Guys, I know that you've shown me some grace and some mercy in my life, but I really don't want the mountain. Anybody ever made a statement like that toward God? We don't want to raise our hands, but we all have, haven't we? There's been times in our life where God has impressed something upon us and God has challenged us and God has spoken to us. God has convicted us. God has showed us some things in our life and we're like, Man, thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. And God says, okay, 
here's what you need to do to fix it. And we're like, I really don't want that mountain. I really don't want that mountain. Uh, Brother Chuck called me last night. I was talking to Brother Chuck. And he was telling me about a, uh, a man in his church that invited his co-worker to uh, their missions conference just a couple of weeks ago up there in Bemidji. The guy's never been to church before. And so the guy comes and he's visiting the church and Brother Chuck's had an opportunity to sit down with him and talk to him about salvation. And the, Brother Chuck goes, hey, do you know for sure you're saved? No, no, I, I'm, I'm still thinking about some things. Still thinking about some things. And Brother Chuck's like, well, what are you thinking about? I, I don't want to talk about it right now, Pastor. I'll, I, I got to go. So Brother Chuck was telling me the story that he's talked to him and he had a missionary. Brother Drinkard was up there for the missions conference. And, and, uh, and so Brother Drinkard starts talking to this guy about salvation and he tells Brother Drinkard the exact same thing. Oh, I've been thinking about it, but I just, there's just there's some th- other things I'm thinking about right now and, and I'll deal with it later. To make a long story short, this guy eventually walks into his co-worker's office and this co-worker is a member of the church there in Mimingi and says, listen, I, I need to get saved. I'm done thinking about this. I need to get saved. And here's what the co-worker asked him. He said, well, what got you to the point uh, of now recognizing that you needed to be saved? And this is, what, this is what Brother Chuck said. This guy said this to his, his coworker. He said, I did not want to get saved because I didn't want to give up certain parts of my life. Now listen tonight, if a lost person can say that about salvation, do you think maybe a righteous person, a saved person, a person like Lot, a person like you and I could look at God and say, God... Man, thank you for that mercy. Thank you for that grace. But I really don't want that mountain. No, no, no. We've already drawn. We already drawn the parallel here. Listen, Lot, brother Andrew. What's up, Lot? What's up, brother Andrew? Yeah, there's a lot of similarities. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll call. I'll, I'll call myself out. I've been there. God, I really don't want that mountain. I really don't want that mountain. Well, brother Andrew, why? Look what the Bible says. Look at, look at what the Bible says in verse number 20. Behold, now this city is near. Lot says this, God, I really don't want that mountain. What I really want is Zor. Well, Lot, why do you want Zor? Because Zor is near. That word near, Zor is nearer to the outskirts, if you would, of Sodom, where Lot was when speaking here in this passage of Scripture. <clears throat> Lot's near compromise is the language of those Christians who simply don't want to put forth the effort to live for God. In this passage of Scripture, Lot tells God this, I can't go to the mountain because, man, something's going to attack me and something's going to destroy me. And he's speaking about the fire and the brimstone that's coming. So he says this, God, if I just go over here to Zor, it's near, it's close. God, I I know that there's sin in my life. God, I know that there's a struggle in my life. And and God, I want to fix this, but I don't really want to go to the mountain to fix it. I'd like to come over here to Zor so I can still look at it, so I can still think about it, so I can still pitch my tent toward it. No, no, that's where, that's where Lot is right now. But not just the fact that he says it's near. Notice this. Look what the Bible says here in verse number, uh, verse number 20 again. He says, Behold, now this city is near to flee unto, and watch, it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? Not only does that word near speak of the the proximity, if you would, of Zor, but Lot says this, that it's little. The little sales pitch, if you would, also shows the worldliness of Lot's heart and is a subtle, corrupting argument and solicitation, if you would, of sin. How many of us have looked at this passage of Scripture and thought, man, Lot, you're a messed up dad wanting to throw your two daughters out of that group of 
men and the sin that's going on in Sodom. Man, this is, this is man, Brother Andrew, this is a rough passage on a Wednesday night. Man, so much wickedness, so much violence, so much, man, it's just, just, just this part of Scripture. Man, it's disgusting. It's sinful. We can amen that all night. You realize tonight that you and I are guilty of sin? All right, well, that should have been an amen right there. We're guilty of sin. Not one, listen, not one of us has lived a perfect, sinless life. We're guilty of sin. We're guilty of lying. We're guilty of cheating and stealing. We're guilty of worrying. We're guilty of anger and frustration and malice and unforgiveness. Hold up. We're guilty of those things. We want to throw down on Lot and say, Lot, what's your problem? But yet here we are looking at God going, God, I really don't want that mountain. I don't want that escape, God. You've identified the problems that are in my life and, and, and you're trying to remove me from those things. So God, here's what I want. I want Zor because it's near and it's little. We look at sin like it's just little. You know, like little sin. Brother Andrew, it's just a little lie. Just a little lie. It's just a little theft. It's just a little bit of anger. Just a bit, little bit of anger. A little bit of anger. Try that with your wife. and You get mad and angry at your wife, right? Brother Mike, tell us, hey, Carol, it's, it's just a little bit of anger right now. Don't work that way. No, 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 no. Don't work that way. So Lot here says this, hey, I want to go to Zor because it's near, because it's little. We must never be in a position where we tolerate sin because to us it seems little. E.J. Hardy had a great quote on, on this. He said this, he said, abstaining from great sins cannot prove our love to God as much as abstaining from little sins. You ever knock a door of somebody in town or maybe wherever, maybe a coworker you talk to, and you talk to them about sin, and here's, here's what you'll hear said. Well, I've never killed anybody. I've never raped anybody. I've never, I've never been guilty of domestic violence. I've never stolen anything. I've never stolen a vehicle. I've, I've never done a bank ride. I've never done these great sins. Hold up. We've all sinned. Every one of us has sinned. Yet why do we look at sin in the magnitude of big or small? You know, Lot would eventually, <clears throat> Lot would eventually make his way up to the mountain. But in doing that, in delaying the obedience to God, what God had for him, he would detour to Zor, and the detour to Zor would cost him his wife. We know from the story, we don't have time to look at it tonight, but we know this, that his wife would turn back, and there's, there's a message in that, turning back, looking at Sodom as the destruction rained down, and we know this, that she turned into a, a pillar of salt. But because Lot decided that he wanted to argue with God, and wanted to settle with God for that which was near, and that which was little, it cost him his wife, but it cost him more than that. Because the Bible tells us this as you continue reading in Genesis chapter number 19 toward the end of the chapter, that as Lot made his way up to the mountaintop, his two daughters were with him. And there's an inappropriate relationship that took place between Lot and his daughters. And his daughters became pregnant by Lot. Say, man, Brother Andrew, this is messed up. It is. It is. You know why it's messed up? Because somebody looked at sin and somebody looked at the grace of God and said this, I'd rather have the sin than the grace of God. I'd rather have this lifestyle. I'd rather be comfortable with this worldliness. I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather enjoy, I'd rather enjoy the pleasures of this world than the mercy and the grace of God when God says, go to the mountain. Lot, go to the mountain. Lot, run. 
Listen, some of us are sitting in here tonight, and here's our mindset. I really like the world. I really like the music of the world. I really like the, the clothing, the lifestyle. I like everything about the world. As a matter of fact, Brother Andrew, it, homosexuality is not a problem. It's their choice. God created them that way. No, no. No, no. We are in a society where that is trickling into God's house. We are living in a society where that is not, listen, where that is almost propagated from pulpits across America, that we are to accept that lifestyle. Yet God in His Word says, I don't think so. Judgment. Judgment. So let's wrap this up tonight. Let's ask ourselves this question. Is my sin worth it? Is my sin worth it? Why don't you think about that question for a second tonight. Levi, come here for a second. Come here, Levi. Come here, buddy. This is Levi. Levi's four. He's my youngest son. I'm going to pick on him tonight and not all the other ones. (laughs) It's Levi. Uh, Levi is one of those kids. He was a, he's a special kid. He came, he came, he came four years after we had Micah, wasn't planning on Levi and God blessed us with Levi. Amen. He's a blessing. He's he's a big blessing. But one of the things about Levi I've noticed uh, Brother Chris, is that Levi likes to be like his dad. No, oh, he likes to be like his dad, right? It's okay, buddy. It's okay. He likes the things his dad likes. He wants to go hunting with dad. I remember when I went, took Micah hunting a couple weeks ago, Levi cried because he didn't get to go. So he had his BB gun, went out in the backyard and shot some birds, amen, right? But Levi likes to be like his dad. Levi, listen, Levi models his dad. Levi models his dad. Levi wants to wear big boy ties like his dad wears. Right? Right, Levi? Right? Yeah. He wants to be just like his dad. Can I say this? Levi is worth it. He's worth it. He's worth me taking a stand. Why? Because I don't want to see his life ruined. I don't want to see his life ruined. Listen, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want Levi to grow up in church and going, man, my dad is such a fake and such a phony. You don't think that, do you? Okay, good. No. No. Listen, I want to have a positive impact on Levi's life. So when I look at sin, and when I look at what God convicts me of, and what God shows me and goes, hey, listen, Andrew, this needs to get out of your life. And I look at God and I go, God, I really don't want that mountain. I'd rather have something that's near and something that's little. You know who it's affecting? Not just me, not just Miss Crystal, not just you. It's affecting him. It's affecting him. Thanks, buddy. You can have a seat. When we live our life with sin all around us, and we live in a worldly lifestyle, listen, we live in a worldly lifestyle, and it's, it's bombarding us completely 24-7. And when we allow those things into our life and God goes, that's not good, that's not good, that's not good. And we look at God and say, God, I don't really want the mountain. I don't want what you have. We're asking for our life to end up like Lot's. Had Lot gotten to the edge of Sodom and the angel said, Lot, go to the mountain. Don't look back. Don't just go full bore to the mountain. Lot goes, okay. Lot, his wife, two daughters, went up to the mountain. You know what would have happened? 
his wife turning into a pillar of salt wouldn't have happened. And most likely his daughters not committing that heinous sin with their father. But because Lot chose to disobey God and chose rather Zor because it was near and because it was little, his life, listen, and his testimony is forever marred. Well, wait a minute, Brother Andrew. Second Peter, we read that, light, that Lot was a righteous man. He was a just man. Oh, he absolutely was. He was. He was, he was a man that I believe had a relationship with God. I, I believe that when I get to heaven one of these days, that Lot's going to be there. I do. I believe that because of the authority of the Word of God. But it begs me to ask this question. Is the sin that you and I are living in, is it really worth the trouble? Is it really worth Zor? Is God trying to bring us out of Sodom and away from Sodom, but yet we keep wanting to go back? We keep wanting to live in the plains and pitch our tent toward Sodom, pitch our tent toward the world? Are my commitments worth it? Is my, is my testimony worth it? But I think really what it boils down to, this one last question, is my Savior worth it? You notice I didn't say in any of those statements, is my pastor worth it, or is my youth pastor, or is my mom, my dad? No. Is my Savior worth it? Brother Rick, is your Savior worth you saying, God, I want the mountain, not the plain? Brother Doug, is your Savior worth you saying, hey, I want that mountain, not just for me, but I want that mountain for my family. I don't want just the plain. Is Levi worth me as a dad, Brother Mike, saying, God, I want that mountain, I don't want that. I, I want to be a witness and a test. I want, I want to be a good example to my son. Listen, I, I don't know about you, but man, my Savior's worth it. My kids are worth it. My wife's worth it. My church family's worth it. Uh, the call to the ministry of God's worth it. But hey, listen, even more important than that, my Savior's worth it. What is it tonight that God has said to you, go to the mountain on, and you're like, God, I really want Zor because it's little and it's near. Can I say this? You will never have victory. I will never have victory. When we settle for what is little and what is near, rather than hightailing it to the mountain. Father, we thank you for tonight, Lord, and the privilege and the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, I thank you for the example that Lot gives us in Scripture. And Lord, like we look tonight at, <clears throat> obviously, Genesis chapter number 19. It's a very powerful passage of Scripture. Lord, also, we looked at the example of Lot and Lord, there's so much. Just the time was, didn't have enough time really to dive into all that takes place within Genesis chapter number 19. But God, the truth is tonight that every one of us, no matter if we're an adult, we're a teenager, we're a child, every one of us makes a choice on a daily basis whether or not we will serve you, or whether or not we will serve our flesh. God, I dare say that we have given in <clears throat> to the world. And the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, more than we've given into the mercy and the grace of God. Lord, I know tonight that I'm in the midst of, of men and women, boys and girls that are saved, that are striving to live for you. Lord, I also know that I stand in the midst of people that live and work in environments that are not conducive to the Christian life. And Lord, my soul's vexed, and I'm sure there's many others that are vexed by the sinfulness of America, the sinfulness of society. And can I dare say this, God, the sinfulness of Christians in America. Lord, help us tonight to clear a place off in the altar or in our seat. Lord, help us to clear a place off in our heart tonight. And to honestly ask you, God, tonight, Lord, are you, Lord, are you trying to get me to go to the mountain to 
trying to get me away from the Sodom and get away from Gomorrah and get away from Zor, get away from the plain, get away from the sinfulness that's in my life, get away from those things that are vexing me, Lord. Have that right relationship with You. God, whatever the case is tonight, I pray that You be honored and glorified during this invitation time. In Jesus' name. As the piano plays tonight, we'll go ahead and stand to our feet.